any of these deeper zones. It was the trenches that worried all submariners. These cold black voids were worlds of crushing depths, permanent blackness, and were most often shielded from them as the deep water made the liquid compress enough to repel most of their sonar pulses. And every now and then, when something did bounce back, more often than not it could never be identified. In that mysterious darkness there were temperature fluctuations and flow variations that defied explanation, and every mariner felt there were things down there that saw them without ever being seen themselves. This trench had an additional reputation. It was the Southern Sea's Devil's Triangle. Dozens of ships had disappeared down in these stretches of water, and aircraft had also vanished, like the 1920 disappearance of Amelia J., a low-flying spotter plane that gave a single fear-filled message, It's coming up! before disappearing from radar, never to be seen again. O'Kane would sail into the teeth of any battle that he was commanded to, against any odds, and never even blink. But he always slept better when they were well away from this particular deep-water stretch. Contact! The single word was like a small electric jolt to his gut. He casually approached his sonar officer, standing just behind him, and outwardly radiated his usual calm. Distance? The officer calibrated his sonar and concentrated. Five miles, coming up out of the abyssal zone. That deep? O'Kane grunted. Biological? He knew that sperm whales could get down to nearly 7,000 feet to hunt in the total darkness for the giant squid. He waited. The officer's face was creased in concentration. Beside him, O'Kane could see his screen, the winding sonar line passing over the long, darker stain on the sensor. The man leaned even closer to his console and also pressed fingertips over one of his microphone's ear cups. He shook his head and shrugged. Non-magnetic signature, but unknown. O'Kane groaned. They had an online identification library of blips, pulses, and pings for every deep-water biological creature and geological movement. Their library also stored the propeller sounds of the world's entire naval fleet. They should have been able to isolate and then identify anything and everything below the water. He remembered Fuller's law. Nature provides exceptions to every rule. O'Kane ground his teeth, meaning he was back to relying on experience and his gut. Give me bearing and speed. Sir, relative bearing is sixty degrees, three miles out over the trench, and speed is at twenty knots, variable, rising and moving into a parallel course. O'Kane grunted his approval. Parallel was good, he thought. At least it wasn't moving any closer. Too fast for a whale, he said. The sonar officer half-turned and pulled one of the cups away. I don't think it's a whale, sir. It's not making a sound, and it's big, very big. He frowned and swung back. Doesn't make sense. 
The officer rotated dials and leaned forward for a moment, his face a sickly green from the monitors. Whoa! O'Kane didn't want to hear that word from his sonar man. He began to feel a sudden slickness as beads of perspiration popped out over his face and body. The officer spun. It just turned towards us, and speed increased to fifty knots. Fifty knots? Not possible. O'Kane's jaw set. Sound red alert. Come to twenty degrees port bearing. Increase speed to maximum. He exhaled through clenched teeth. Anywhere else he would have immediately surfaced, but doing so here would mean exposure to the unfriendly satellites he knew were always watching. He could not risk breaking cover over a damn sonar shadow. Object now at 1.1 miles in closing. Collision course confirmed.